the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. And this is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDeal. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Manipal. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. everyone and welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 236. I'm your host Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And this is Harris Sandula. We are bringing you the latest comic news and comic book reviews from the weeks of November 12th through December 2nd. We have a total of three weeks worth of stuff to cover because of the five Wednesdays in November. So we're going to jump straight into our comic news. The very first thing we have comes on November 14th. We have the numbers report for October 2017. The big takeaway from this is that Dark Knight's Metal is succeeding probably further than DC would have ever anticipated it. At least that's the way Scott Snyder is portraying it on Twitter, saying that all of the Dark Knight tie-ins or I should say metal tie-ins, as well as the Dark Knight's metal series. All of the issues are selling very, very well and far exceeded anything that they anticipated. Multiples of the issues are going for second and third printings. So that is basically what dominated the majority of October. Notable other books to just briefly mention that were high up there on sales. The first issue of Batman White Knight actually sold 86,000, and there are reports now which we'll find out about maybe by the next episode. But there's reports out there that the second issue of Batman White Knight actually will be outselling the first issue, which is very unheard of nowadays in general. That just speaks to how good and how well-received the series actually was. So that's that. Outside of that, you know, some books to keep on the watch list if you are interested in making sure that certain series don't completely go under. <laughs> Mother Panic is is down there at about... It's cratering. Yeah, just under 8,000 issues per month. Bane Conquest, because it's a miniseries, I don't see it ending anytime in the near future since it's going to wrap up in June of 2018 anyway. That being said, both of those are very, very low. Ragman is also a miniseries. Batgirl, Birds of Praise, now sitting at just under 18,000. So you could potentially be seeing a creator shift sometime in the near future, not immediate future, but sometime in the near future. So those are the ones to take a look at. If you want to look at the sales numbers for all of the books, I encourage you to check out TBU by the numbers over on the website for all the numbers related to everything that we cover here on the website, as well as everything that ties into the Batman universe as well. So be sure to check that out. Next up, we have uh, November 16th. DC announced that they are bringing back the Brave and the Bold as far as the new miniseries. We previously reported that Batman and Wonder Woman would be having a series or a miniseries. We weren't sure which because it hadn't been announced. But it was confirmed that the series will be called The Brave and the Bold, Batman and Wonder Woman. It will be a six-issue miniseries that will be written and drawn by Liam Sharp. This will feature them investigating the death of an Irish god. The two of them will be investigating that. So the art, if you are unfamiliar with Liam Sharp's art, it is extremely detailed. But it still has like a mythical element to it as well so the cover for the first issue is up on the website you can check that out but it is is it, the art is really really good i mean liam sharp is known to be a, a artist he was previously on wonder woman with greg rucka at the beginning of rebirth so be sure to take a look at that the, the first issue will be hitting stores february 21st 
Next up, we have the solicitations for February 2018 were released, and as far as major things happening, there's a couple of different things. As far as stories changing, February will see the Super Friends story arc wrap up in the main Batman title, which will then be followed by a new Poison Ivy story. Also, in Batwoman's actions and fate among the Bat family are on trial in the pages of Detective Comics. Meanwhile, in her own book, it will also feature storylines from the beginning of the series coming to a head. Barbara Gordon will see a Blizzard story wrap up in her own single title, while a new one kicks off in Birds of Prey. Um, in With the Super Sons of Tomorrow story wrapped, Talia appears in Super Sons to reveal Damien's past that may break up the partnership between Damien and John. As far as creator changes, we see Marguette Bennett returning to Batwoman after taking a single issue off in January. Over in Nightwing, Phil Jimenez will be doing the second issue of the series for the month. It seems like he's going to be going back and forth with Bernard Chang. There's a number of new series kicking off, as well as some special issues. The previously announced Young Animal crossover will be releasing in February and will feature a wholesome Batman in Mother Panic Batman Special Number 1. We will also see the launch of, as I mentioned, the Brave and the Bold Batman and Wonder Woman. Also, Batman Sins of the Father, which we talked about last episode, which ties into the Batman Telltale series. And Bane Conquest will return after a one-month hiatus. Last but not least, Batman returns to the pages of Justice League America after being absent for months due to the events of Dark Knight's Metal. And finally, as one of the books that normally has TBU characters in it, New Superman is being retitled New Superman in the Justice League of China after featuring the Chinese versions of the character for some time in the series. And Harley Quinn and Deadshot will be appearing in the book Damage Number 2, which is one of the new series spinning out of the new age of the DC superheroes. So we have the full list and a gallery of all of the covers or a select select group of covers, but all a full list of all of the books that you can expect to see in February 2018. So start making your list for your comic shop now. There doesn't seem to be any dramatic changes yet though. I mean, even since Rebirth we have anything big, big. Well, how big is big? Because we did have, I mean, we had a creator change over in Nightwing with uh, Tim Seeley leaving and Sam Humphreys coming on. That's starting this month in December. But that is really one of the only changes that we've actually seen. Haven't been, I mean, Batman and Detective have both been going along for a while now with no changes. Remember how many changes in New 52 we had in Detective? It's true, yeah. I, I mean, there must have been like six creator changes. Yeah, I think the only changes we've seen at all is the artists. And, and it's not even so much a change as it is... Just the pacing, a break, or, or yeah, a break, yes, because you know the David Finch has still been doing Batman stuff. So has Mikael Janin. They were the original two artists attached to Batman. We had over in Detective. They've changed up the artists, but it's nothing super notable to make sure you know that you have to make an announcement about it. But yeah, I mean, like other than the, some artist changes because of scheduling concerns, the writer aspects of it haven't changed. The interesting thing is, I think we talked about this briefly in the last episode about some of the books that previously came out twice per month, like Green Arrow, and there was some other books like Cyborg. They switched them to once a month now instead of twice a month, and the price went up to three ninety nine. And I'm wondering, you know, is that going to happen to any of the books that we cover here, as far as like the Greater Gotham stuff? And the only one that remotely I could see it potentially happening to would be Nightwing only because the sales are not like super amazing unless you put the sales for the the book together I think it's averaging about like 28 to 30,000 issues per issue I should say 
So like when you combine that, it's almost 60,000, which is a good number. But if it was selling 60,000 altogether for only one issue, obviously that would be much better. So. Yeah, I think I could see Nightwing changing, but that's I don't think they're going to change Batman and Detective. Yeah, they're definitely not going to... Yeah, that won't happen at all. The only other book that we cover that I could see changing potentially is Justice League of America. But yeah. the only reason I say that is because the stories seem to like be very all over the place. There is a little bit of a connection here and there, but like the only reason I would say that they won't do that is because it just happens to alternate exactly when... Just League is, so they always have a Just League book out every week. Even though it is two completely different teams, and the only connecting element of those two teams is Batman. But that is the only thing I could see them doing, is potentially changing that up at some point in the near future as well. Alright, so outside of that, the only other things that are over on the website is that there's a new DC All Access video with Jeff Johns talking about Doomsday Clock since the first issue has released. And then there's also three new articles for last week in the Batcave from Jessica, so be sure to check those out over on the website, as well as checking out last week in the Batcave every Monday. Now, please, the, the one thing I, I say every Monday, and it has consistently been releasing for something like 34, 35 weeks or something like that. But there is going to be, as you're listening to this, the Monday right after this episode releases, last week in the Batcave, we'll be on a one-week hiatus because Jessica's actually going to be uh, attending the largest comic convention in Brazil called CCXP, Comic-Con Experience. If you know anything about it, it's it's pretty huge. It dwarfs San Diego Comic-Con by the number of attendants. Really? Like crazy, crazy numbers head there because the population is huge. In general, the the convention is humongous. So she's going to be attending that, and she's traveling to the convention, so she will not be putting together last week in the Batcave, but it will return the following week, and then obviously keep going. Well, have fun, Jessica. Enjoy your trip. Yeah. So be sure to check out Last Week in the Batcave. Outside of that, we're going to jump straight into our comic book reviews, and our first book is Batman. Batman number 35, The Rules of Engagement, Part 3. Tom King's script, Joelle Jones' pencils, inks, and cover, and Jordi Belair, the cover and interior color. So this picks up right after 34, and now we have the tete-a-tete between Selina and <laughs> and the bloody sword that was taken from Batman's back, and Talia. And as they fight, they also converse about Batman and their various positions and viewpoints on him. Selina wins, spoiler, and once she... <laughs> Another funny thing. Maybe I'm the only one that finds this funny. But as she walks by Talia, she says to hold her sword for her and then sticks it into her back. And Oh, it's funny. Yeah, I thought it was funny. And then Selena ends up, she finds Holly and they talk about the situation. And Holly feels like Selena's making her or wants to make her confess to the killings and selena says no i'm not going to make you but i'm asking you because i really want to be with batman he makes me happy meanwhile outside dick and damien are still waiting for their father and they also talk about the situation and why each or either believes that batman wants to marry selena and they finish with their various thoughts and both selena and bruce end up leaving 
and meeting up with him, and then they travel on their ways, which apparently will be either 14 or 15 hours in the desert. And next up, Superman. So my first question, I'm going to focus on Holly here. And I don't know that I've asked this before, but it's sort of a two-part question. The first is, why would Holly go here in the first place? What was the draw that it had for Holly? Why why would this be the place that she would seek shelter protection? And the second one in regards to Holly is, what answer do you believe that she gave? Because as they left, you see that Holly is not there. So I don't know if we're led to believe one answer or another. Perhaps she's just contemplating. But why would Holly go here? and be helped out by Talia. I don't know that this was ever asked or answered. And then what do you think her answer is or was to Selena? Well, I definitely think that the reason she's there is if, and I hate to say this, but it, it could be just convenience. I mean, there's no real explanation as to why Holly would have fleed Gotham and then somehow linked up with Talia. Maybe there's a story there that's waiting to be told. That's the only thing I could think of. But there's no real explanation, and I don't really understand it. It, it seems like one of those things where it's like there's clearly something there that should be told. Maybe it's coming in, you know, as a small story somewhere down the line. The one issue, you know, when Holly eventually gets back to maybe Gotham City or something like that, maybe they do like a one issue kind of like what they do with kite man where you find out a little bit more about holly robinson where it could be a one-off issue that's in the midst of a storyline just to give you know the artist breaks like they've done in the past during war of jokes and riddles and things like that that's the only thing i can think of as to why they're not telling that story because if it's one of those situations where tom king has said well it's one of those things where you know you as the reader you can imagine what happened that's too big of a thing to try to imagine what happened and how that came to be um and if i'm going to imagine i'm going to say it's just for pure plot convenience to have them going there so they can knock out two birds with one stone get holly and have batman tell talia that he's engaged and that's just pure convenience that's it Outside of that, the other question about, you know, what is her answer? I think the reason she's not there is, I don't know why she's not there, to be completely honest. It makes more sense for her to be there and to be leaving with them, but it doesn't seem to be the case. The other aspect of it could be the fact that she said yes and she and we're going to see it, but because it's not going to be dealt with immediately in the next issue or immediately in the next story arc that's why they don't have her with her and that's why it maybe seems like she is saying one thing but actually going to be doing another so that's my only guess i mean there's a lot of like open-endedness with this holly robinson aspect of this issue and this story arc that i guess obviously there's going to be more when you look back to you know the i am suicide arc that tom king wrote there was clearly some open-endedness to the holly robinson stuff that he intended to follow back up on which we are getting here almost you know over a year later but at the same time it's one of those things where you know there's only so much time you can that can go by without you forgetting about some of these story elements so i'm hoping that it does get resolved. I know that there's a couple more issues with the Super Friends story arc, and then they're going to be diving into basically a nine-issue story arc that Mikel Jannon's going to be doing, like, number 41 through 50. So I guess that's 10 issues, but he's going to be doing that. So it's very unlikely that we're going to be seeing that Holly Robinson stuff unless it's in those issues. And so that's where I'm at. You know, it's funny. About halfway through reading this issue, I was struck upon this very question. 
was like, well, wait a minute. Why is Holly Robinson being protected by Talia? Like, especially when we see Holly. She's like in jean shorts and a tank top. And she's like, oh, Selena. And I'm like, what the? I don't know. I can't think taking. I think you're right. I think Dustin is right. I think it's for the sake of moving the plot along. But taking that out of it, I can't think of any reason why Talia would be hiding Holly Robinson. That's a pretty far bridge to walk down, really. Like, are we going to have it where, I don't know, Holly maybe inadvertently one of the many people that she kills was a enemy of Talia's or something like that? Because you can't think of a, of a rational reason. Maybe Talia took her under the wing. Talia does have a lot of angry words in this issue. You know, she's very, I, you know, my dad killed me every day and threw me in the pit and... Maybe she recognizes some of that hatred in, in young Holly, but I can't think of a reason other than, like I said, what I believe Dustin had the right reason with. I can't think of a real reason why they would do this. Also, like I said, Holly doesn't come out with him in the end. My only thoughts are going to be that maybe Batman slash Selina have recorded Holly and they'll broadcast it to the world or something like that. Because she, I mean, Damien clearly says, you know, we got two horses and four people, so it's not like she was behind the rock or anything. Which should be fine. That way, maybe it's the best of both worlds. Holly's on the run. She just not actually took into custody, and Selena is absolved of the crimes. But a lot of open-ended stuff towards the end of this issue. I don't like your answers that it's plot-driven. I think that that's a cop-out, and, and if this is true, I'll be pretty upset. And I feel like I've said that before on this particular show. Let's be – wait, real, real quick. Let's be clear. I'm saying it could be that. No, I don't no, want no. it to be I know. that. I'm not okay. blaming you. I know. I know. But I'm just saying that if that's what that turns out to be – Whoa to Tom King. No, I, I understand what you're saying. I don't like that because it's it seems so random. I don't even know how you could just go along with it and say, well, of course she's there. Because, you know, absolutely, Ed just, like, touched upon it in, in, very, in a very nonchalant way, the fact that she's in a tank top and a jean, jean shorts, uh, to show how out of place she is with the rest of the people that she's with. And I, I think there's got to be some way because when you think of Holly and, and my history, I think, with Holly has really only been through Brubaker's run, Catwoman. And I mean, to s look at that character and Talia al Ghul is like a major mismatch. Also, how in the world would Holly have gotten over there when no one can pass that guardian at the gate? So it's I, I think there's got to be there's got to be something more. I think the story's not done because the Superman, it seems like it's probably connected to um, again. I don't read solicit. So it's probably connected to the story. But I almost wonder if Talia picked her up somehow that maybe she got wind of this. And of course, we know Ra Ra's al Ghul always like killing a bunch of people for the quote unquote right reason. So I don't know if Talia found her somehow or how even Hollywood know. I mean, she's steeped in Catwoman mythology, but not Batman. And Talia is more associated with Batman. So there are just so many things that are like, these two people should not be together. So there's got to be a pretty compelling reason for why she's over there. And it, it better not be plot purposes. I, I think right now she's considering it. And, and I hope that she says yes. I understand, you know, where she's in a safe place right now. And she could say no. But I think, you know, calling upon the history the history between the two characters as she does and even Catwoman being there I'm really hoping that she says yes my final question is in regards to 
sort of a layering I feel with with Tom King's writing here and obviously we have the story we can tell that he's a, a big shipper of Catwoman and Batman at least I feel it's that way and this is sort of the way to clear Catwoman's name so the story has a purpose but I'm also wondering if there's an underlying purpose to this story and if Tom King is using it to show which characters he believes in his heart as a Batman fan, know Bruce the best. Because we have these two pretty poignant conversations between two different characters. Tali and Catwoman are more disparate than, of course, Damien and Nightwing. But in the end, you see um, that Nightwing seems to have a better grasp of who Bruce Wayne is and what he desires. And then you see Selina here has a better grasp. So do you think that Tom King is also having sort of making a commentary on the people he believes are closest to Batman and best understand him? Yes. I mean, if we're talking about, you know, between Catwoman and Talia, it's clear that he is trying to lead us to believe that Catwoman knows him way or knows Batman way better than Talia will ever know him. I'm sure Talia has a son with Bruce and they've had history, but he's, he is definitely trying to make sure that, you know, that Catwoman is, is the one who knows him the best. There's also a whole nother aspect of, you know, between his like or dislike of characters here, because we have Catwoman. I don't know if you were going to bring this up, but we have Catwoman defeating Talia, which was, caused some uproar on online but that he basically came out and said on twitter that the whole reason that happened was because catwoman is scrappy and she'll do whatever it takes to to win while talia is more she has more honor than than catwoman does and that's why she lost um which i mean that explanation makes sense i'm not going to disagree with that explanation but when i saw it on page i was like i think that talia and her you know hundreds of years of being alive potentially depending on which version of her origin you go with um and the knowledge that she knows of fighting she would have won very easily but his explanation actually made sense when he said it and i was like okay i can see where he's coming from so i'm less upset about the fact that catwoman won but he's clearly going a specific route and if anything we're going to be seeing like this like parade of you know the everyone reacting to this news that the two of them are engaged. This just happens to be the first one because that's how he chose it. I mean, the super friends arc that's coming up with Superman and Wonder Woman making appearances and things like that. We know that everyone's going to be having their first say of what's going on because otherwise there wouldn't be issues dedicated to it. But it'll be interesting to see how it all turns out because you can tell that he is definitely trying to push his version, which I'm not necessarily saying I have a, a problem with him doing that. I mean, I, I've, which I guess in some ways makes me a two-faced person because I've said I don't like Scott Snyder doing that, and he did that for like five years. But I guess the difference is that to a degree, it feels like Tom King is at least trying to have historical reasonings as a basis for the decisions that he's making. And it's not just, this is what I want it to be because he's at least to a degree is staying true to previous continuity. So, yeah, I think he might be making a commentary on what he sees to be the truth. I just don't think we'll all agree with him. Obviously this is stepping on Batman annual very slightly. He believes that the Selena Bruce relationship is a pivotal relationship in the life of Batman, and, and from what he's been writing all the way back to the I Am Bane stuff with uh, Selena's letter and all this, it seems to him where he believes that the singular 
star for for Bruce is Selena, which I believe that Bruce and Selena should be together. So I don't have a problem with that. But we do see Damien and Dick here. Not a whole lot of, and we had some check cut scenes with Jay, as he likes to be called in this book, apparently, and the other guys. But I don't know. I mean, it does make sense that he typically you'll play with the characters that believe are most important or most relevant to your storyline here. And besides random selection, I can't think of any reason why Dick or Damien would be selected above anybody else. So, yeah, I think you might be onto something. I think these may be the characters that Tom King thinks are most relevant and closest to Bruce. Yeah, I, you know, as I was reading these conversations and once you have someone lay out their belief and then another character says, no, you're wrong, and then says something, you're like, huh, I think something's being said here. And I, uh, I, I'm completely on board with the Catwoman because I think she's been closest to him, obviously, quite recently, as well as perhaps more of a long historical romance or relationship. But the Damien and Dick one caught me a little bit off guard that Damien would not be able to understand his father as much just because I guess I hold Tomasi's run in such high regard that I figured Damien had grown and had learned more about his father. But then it does make sense because, I mean, Dick has the longest relationship with him of all the Robins, of course, and he grew up with him. So I think he's seen everything. You know, he's seen him at his lowest and he's seen him at his scariest probably <laughs> and, you know, at, at his best and and right now perhaps is, is his best. So I can go along, I think, with what Tom King is saying. Regarding, I guess, the, the fight thing, you know, would Selena beat Talia? I think, you know, that was certainly the question there. The thing against Selena is the fact that she's been tired out from the fight with the goons, and she might have gotten a short respite because Batman had to fight Talia first. But Talia was potentially tuckered out from her fight with Batman. And then, you know, we've got Catwoman here. It's funny because Catwoman, you know, after Talia's little story, which somewhat reminded me of Cassandra Cain and David Cain and how he raised his daughter, she says something about, it's funny, I've only, you know, picked up a sword once or twice, or this is like my second time or something like that. So I go, well, that may be a little bit unbelievable, perhaps. I don't know. I guess, yes, you want Talia. I think logically Talia is the one that you expect to win. But I'm okay with Catwoman beating her because I think there was some psychological warfare going on as well. And so I think in, I guess you called her Scrappy or Tom King did. I think in fighting, she's sort of fighting on two different playing fields. So I'm fine with her winning. But uh, those are the only questions I've got. So I'm going to give Batman a total of three out of five. Two and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. All right. And over on the website, Matthew gave it three out of five. So it's going to give Batman a total of three out of five Batarangs. Let's move into our next book, Batman Annual Number 2. Batman Annual Number 2. Writer Tom King, artist Weeks and Lark break it up the main art duties in this title. This issue opens up in the past with Selina stealing the Batmobile. We then see Selina stealing from Wayne Manor and Bruce chasing her. As he's about to chase her out of a window, she says she's already called the cops. And when Bruce sees all the cops outside, he realizes he can't chase her without revealing his secret identity. And Selina says something like that to him as well. Further down the line in time, we see her stealing Martha's pearl from the safe. 
they have a conversation where it becomes evident that the two are starting to develop some level of feelings or relationship for each other. She escapes again because that's what she does. We then see another scene where she leads him on a chase and he says, you know, why are you doing this to me? Why are you always, you know, making me chase you? And she says she's doing it to make him better. She escapes in the end again, but this time Batman just meets her at her house and reveals that he's known where she's lived for quite some time. This is their first, like, truly hard romantic scene, you should say. And then they have that argument, you know, did we meet on a boat first or did we meet on a street, which has been a theme. Fast forward to the far future, and we see old Bruce being diagnosed with some fatal disease. They don't tell us what it is, not really relevant to the plot. And when the doctor leaves, Selena goes and meets what looks to be someone in a Batwoman costume going by the name of Helena, who is the daughter of Bruce and Selena, which is a little nod to old continuity there. She tells her that they've even checked with Zatanna, and there's nothing that anybody can do, that Bruce's time is up. Bruce passes away and then leaves a note for Selena, as well as a new kitten for her in the Batmobile. Question number one. We've really, I know we've kind of touched on this before, but I kind of want to get it on the record. We've had this consistent argument of them talking about how each of them remember their first meeting differently. The question is, why do you think this is going on? Do you think it's plot relevant to a bigger plot? Or just, is it, basically I'm asking, is this part of the Watchmen story in Rebirth? Or is this just something that Tom King is doing on his own? And out of the two origins, which one do you prefer? The year one or the more original classic Catwoman one? Well, I can say that it is definitely plot driven. There's a reason why this is happening. Tom King, somebody asked him on Twitter um, after this issue came out, and his response was, no, it's happening on purpose. It's not that they both remember it differently, and they're just it's just a chance to tell two different stories. He said it's happening for a specific reason, and we can only be led to believe it has something to do with these timeline concerns that we've had since the beginning of DC Rebirth, and then obviously tying into Watchmen. It might not be you know immediately exposed as to how it ties in, but it is definitely one of those things where it probably will eventually tie in to the overall storyline of the timelines being shifted and things like that. I mean, we have over in Superman, we have John Kent, Superboy, who's 10 years old, and he's been alive for 10 years. It's not like Damien, where Damien just was a test tube baby who is, you know, got older very quickly. It wasn't like that at all. So Superman's been around for a minimum of 10 plus years, while Batman obviously has been around for a while too, but then you have the inconsistencies of New 52 and how everything got super condensed. So there's definitely some timeline concerns there, and this is definitely playing into that. So he has said it is, so I'm not going to you know try to think about why else it could be, because that he said it's there's a reason. If I was to pick the one of the two, it, it's kind of like a toss-up for me. I like the classic version because as much as... I like year one as a story. I, I don't like the way Selena was portrayed as much as... You know, there's not there's not a good way to put this one way or the other. I don't like the fact that she was a prostitute or she was involved with prostitutes in year one. I don't like that aspect of her character, but at the same time, there's, there's definitely more of a character and there's more reason behind her character in the pages of year one compared to the original classic version of her origin story as well. So th there's aspects I like of both, but I wouldn't say I like one more than the other at all. So... I know it's a cop-out answer, but that's my answer. I think there's something called Chekhov's gun. 
I don't know if either of you have heard about this. So it's the idea that if there's a gun introduced in the first act or perhaps the first chapter even of of a work, that it must be used and it will be used by the end. Uh, if not, obviously the author, or not obviously, but the author did not do his or her job or his duty. So the idea here, I would say Chekhov's gun, is the fact that this disagreement has popped up. And it's not just one-time thing. It's been popping up repeatedly. So the fact that it's been popping up repeatedly means that it means something and that it has to come to pass or else, again, woe to Tom King. So, yes, I think it's got a meaning. I mean, it sounds reasonable in regards to this, I guess, alternate Earths business. I'm not really sure how that works because Rebirth brought the Watchmen into the universe, but it didn't necessarily... I mean, I wasn't under the impression that it all of a sudden now we've got a multiple Earth situation once again. I guess I didn't think that was the purpose of Rebirth. I thought it was like another way to sort of like find a new, like a nice little midway between New 52 and old continuity. But what we're saying here, correct me if I'm wrong, is that now we've got potentially another crisis is coming to us because now we've got multiple Earths coming at us again instead of just one Earth that we've been dealing with for the past five years? No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm saying it's not Earths, it's timelines. I mean, sure, it could be leading to some sort of crisis-like event, but it's not that there's multiple Earths or there's multiple versions of the character. It's that there's different timelines, and I think that goes back to Flashpoint and how after Flashpoint things adjusted because after Flashpoint, suddenly the entire timeline was super condensed. And they were saying that Batman had only been in, you know, working for five years, yet Batgirl, Nightwing, Robin, Red Robin, all of them still existed. They've all clearly been around longer than five years. Right. So, like, it didn't make any sense. And they tried to explain it as best as they could. And Scott Snyder kept going out there and saying, all your favorite stories, they still happen. They did not happen. But then it was only, uh, you know, a year or two after he was making those comments that he was basically doing his versions of year one with zero year and things like that. But the the point is, it, I don't think it's different versions of the characters as far as like different Earths. I think it's different timelines. So I think it's the same characters. They just have different memories. And I think that's how it ties into Watchmen. So we could potentially, like if we envision two parallel lines where one parallel line is Batman and Catwoman meeting on the boat. The other one is Batman and Catwoman meeting year one and then there's a point there's like a nexus point yes and the nexus point would probably having something to do with flashpoint something to do with watchmen somewhere around there how did the nexus point get rid of two of the other characters though how did only one batman and one catwoman meet how does that that wouldn't that knock out one other catwoman and one other batman i guess if you're looking at it from the perspective that the it, different timelines have different characters i think they're all remembering it differently is what Dustin's trying to say. Yeah, I think it's just memories. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it actually happened that way. I think it's just memories because there's also, and I don't want to get into Doomsday Clock, but maybe something that has to do with it is if you read Doomsday Clock number one, um, the very end of the issue, it's very Watchmen heavy, but the very the very few last 
last few panels of, of the issue deal with Superman and he wakes up and he says something about how he had a nightmare and it's the first time he's ever had a nightmare and that I feel like is something that is clearly setting something up in regards to well, why is he having a nightmare now because something clearly has happened that has, has caused him to be you know to have something that he's never had in his 30 plus years on the earth so I'm get I mean like I get what you're saying. Which could be a memory potentially from another timeline. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a memory. And that's the thing. I, I agree. So I think it, it has something to do with memories. Okay. And it's not that there's like different versions of the character out there. I mean, I, I definitely understand what you're saying with the, if you've got two separate timelines that are going parallel, you've got two groups of characters yeah. on each timeline. And eventually when they link up, something has to happen. But I guess to put it in the perspective that you're saying, if it does link up stuff could, I guess get erased too. I guess that's a possibility too. It's just nothing did get erased except during new 52. And then suddenly rebirth unerased a lot of that stuff. I mean, it unerased the entire idea of the teen Titans previously being the teen Titans. And if you've been reading Titans, they've dealt with that stuff, how the memories in new 52, they had no, they were never teen Titans, but now suddenly they have the memories back. So it's clearly, memory driven i think my one question as a follow-up then is why is batman if the other two if there are memories and there aren't two other bodies why is batman on his deathbed saying please go find that other guy so he takes care of you well he doesn't he's not assuming that there but he's saying there's probably another me out there please go find that guy is it that he's specifically talking about another version of himself or is he specifically talking about somebody else who would be good enough to be with her? Oh, he's talking about, he tells him to go, tells her to go get Barry Allen so he can take her through. Yeah. 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 I mean, he's specifically saying there's another Bruce in another universe for you. At least that's what I got from Estella was. I also did. Yeah. And I, my only question about that, and I wonder what you got, what you two think. I couldn't tell if he meant it or was he being like, and it's not like him to be playful. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, did he mean it like, ha ha, when I die, you should go find my clone? But it, to me, it seemed, because he brought up Barry. So it seemed serious. Well, it's not a clone, though. It, it's a different version. No, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. He, he wasn't telling her to go see a clone. But when he tells her to go get Barry, I mean, that at least implies that he has some idea what's going on, right? You have to know to a degree that he knows that there's a potential of other versions out there because there's the world of the Flashpoint timeline that has his father being Batman. There, Maybe he's just under the assumption that there is, or it just does play into that larger idea that, like you said, that there is multiple characters. I mean, like, I still think it's memory driven, but there's definitely that possibility of, you know, that there are is another timeline that Barry could take her to that would find it, but... In that timeline, wouldn't there still be another version of her? So wouldn't she have to take the place of herself? So, like, I don't know. I mean... It's all messed up again. This is all crazy stuff. We had a pretty simple universe going until the Watchmen business happened. I think I, I answered. I just wanted to have some elucidation on, on everything. But I think, yeah, it serves a purpose. And I guess we'll we'll find out. Yeah, I do too. I really wish we were picking between year one selena kyle origin and long halloween selena kyle origin story because i think those two are more relevant to modern comics than the original original one out of those i'd prefer long halloween after what i present with here i'd go with year one it definitely and you guys are right we wouldn't be being this shoved down our throats so consistently unless it was going to be a major plot point i have a little pet theory and this is gonna be the final question and it's probably ludicrous but here's my pet theory on i want you guys to weigh in on it 
I think that there's a possibility, since we really haven't had the Selena-Bruce relationship mentioned in any of the other books, or hardly anything really referenced hard out of here that couldn't be easily retconned away, and with them showing Helena at the end being Bruce and Selena's daughter, I think this is all in Earth 2, isn't it? Like, doesn't I mean, isn't this Earth 2 for, for those Batman aficionados? Doesn't this feel like Earth 2 to you? For anybody who doesn't know the history of Earth 2, basically Earth 2 is Batman and Selina end up getting married. They have a daughter who's named Helena Wayne. Um, if you paid attention to New 52, there was, a, there was a series called World's Finest, and it was World's S apostrophe, and it featured Power Girl and Huntress from Earth 2, which was Helena Wayne, and that was the only Huntress that was in Earth new 52 at the time till Grayson came along and then reintroduced Selena Bertinelli. But anyway, she was the daughter of Bruce and Selena and she was the huntress and she was that that's who it was. She was the vigilante as well later on. So, I mean, there's definitely a firm connection that you could make to that. The only issue with that is yes, there has not been a lot of comments and things associating the fact of what's happening in Batman, but there has been two small things. In the pages of Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, Catwoman comes to help the team in the current story arc that is going to be wrapping up this month where all the men in Gotham are sick. She actually comes in and says she's there because Bruce is sick and she's there to help Bruce. Yeah, but she's always been a friend of Bruce in a way. That doesn't speak to the engagement. Yeah, but why would she specifically say that she's there to help him when anybody else who's there could also be helping him as well? I could get around that one. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I could like, get around it too. One. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So then the other one is this isn't in story, but Tynion was asked one time on Twitter about why nobody's recognizing the fact that Catwoman and Batman are, they're not acknowledging it. They're not, you know, dealing with it at all. And the answer to that was that it's not happening at the same time. And I, that, and you could take that two different ways. You could take that as Detective is taking place at a different time than everything that's happening in Batman. The problem with that is that Batman and Detective have been in a crossover where they happen at the same time. So you can't sit there and say that they're happening on two separate worlds. That's the biggest problem there because Night of the Monster Men took place in Detective Nightwing and Batman. So you can't sit there and say that Batman suddenly... Wait, you take that story out, though. Just take it out. Sure. I guess if you take a story out of uh, continuity and of trade publication... Just that that happened that it happened in the detective universe because this is this if this isn't happening in earth 2 it's certainly leaning on earth 2 stuff real heavy and i'm not right? right i mean but that's just because of the relationship stuff that we haven't seen as heavy over here in earth 1 i mean that's the big thing and that's the the main the main reason you're saying this is because there isn't there has never been this huge connections between or not huge connection but the relationship has never been explored between selena and bruce any at any other time except when dealing with earth 2 stuff so the thing is if you ignore the earth 2 stuff and just say this is happening sure i mean this is just a new story that's happening over here yes it's definitely taking a bunch of elements of what the history that has happened over in earth 2 is but i mean i don't know i i have a hard time believing that this story could actually be taking place completely on its own somewhere else the red flag for me that it is, well, I don't know, is the whole Helena thing at the end being Batwoman. 
and I have a problem having two Helenas in one universe. And I thought that that was very odd. And that's the only thing that has raised red flags for me because I don't know how. And this isn't like, her name's Ashley, my name's Ashley. Yeah. You know, it's not like that. I think it's like a very, very specific thing that clearly you could have had a placeholder if you, but this was intentional. So having a Helena and the Batwoman calling, you know, mom and dad and that being very distinct and that being a white Helena, I should say, because the Helena Bertinelli over in background, the birds of prey is not Caucasian. I think that's the red flag that there's something else going on here. Yeah. And I might be wrong on this, but I think like Stella said, when they showed her at the end of the story, that was like the frying pan in the face moment when I was like, wait a minute, you know, or maybe with these two separate, backstories we'll get this resolved by dr manhattan and we'll see this version of bruce and selena shifted back to earth 2 and the modern day bruce and selena never having got together um but there is just why would you go like stella said we have an established huntress in our current universe why would you do this like standing in front of someone with a you know screaming at them hey look 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 what i'm doing here i mean I don't know. It just really felt like an Earth 2 story to me. So, that's all. All right. So, this Batman annual, I'm going to give four and a half out of five. Four out of five. I'm going to give it a five out of five. I thought it was beautiful. And uh, there are a few annuals, I think, that have an emotional punch. But this was a lovely, lovely one. So, I think it deserves its five out of five. I did forget to say which Selena I preferred. So, I'll do that really quickly. I think, even though I've read both of them, I might prefer the year one. Well, it's really hard. I think I like the year one just because she is gritty. And I think, you know, living in that situation, I think, created her to be this really strong character. And you can also see how much she cares for other people. Because I think if you didn't have that character, you wouldn't have her strong relationship with people sort of in the lower parts, I think, of Gotham City. You wouldn't have her relationship with Holly. So I think just having that origin story really turned her into something special. And and that was also, I really latched onto the character that Brubaker had taken. And I think having that origin just made her such a strong character. So I think I will prefer that one. Selena, you will punch Stan. Okay, anyway, um, so I'm going to say that just as a real quick thing, because Stella mentioned the thing about the annual, this was probably one of the better annuals we've seen. Last year they had oh, the way annual. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, last year they had the annual, and there was a, it was just a bunch of short stories. No problem saying that it wasn't that it was bad by any means. There was It wasn't that we, you know, that we thought it was bad. It was just that, you know, typically they tend to do this thing where there's a tendency to have – just a group of smaller stories written by a variety of different writers with different artists doing the art and things like that. And let's not forget that last year's annual also had the Tom King Ace the Bad Hound story, which was great, and actually ended up winning him an Eisner. So it's not that there can't be quality stuff in an annual, but most of the time annuals do not have a tendency to be very good. And this is a perfect example of, you know, expanding the current story but not necessarily having to read it to enjoy 
and to keep along with what's going on in the in the main story. So that's important to note. Now, the annual that we, that actually came out last year, like I said, we didn't rate it bad. It ended up getting an average of three and a half out of five. So it's not that it was bad, but there has been annuals. And the perfect example is if you go and you see one of the other annuals that released on the same week that this Batman annual came out was Justice League of America annual mm. uh, number one, and it was really bad, <laughs> really bad. It was almost nonsensical. It's a perfect example of them trying to do a one one and done story, but and then having it tie into it, but it completely falling flat because it just didn't have a whole lot of meaning or necessity. So this was a great example of a good annual. So annuals sometimes are overlooked because of the higher price tag and the fact that it's expected that sometimes they aren't that great. But this was a good example of them making it work and making it worthwhile. So hopefully that tends to be the case with detectives since they have an annual coming up in January. All right, so Batman annual number two gets a total of four and a half out of five batarangs. Let's move into our last book, Detective Comics. Detective Comics number 969, written by James Tynion IV, art by Joe Bennett. The issue starts off with the newly appointed mayor of Gotham. As you remember, the last mayor was murdered by Shiva in the League of Shadows story arc. Michael Atkins, the former commissioner, is making a speech on the steps of City Hall. He affirms that Batman may be necessary for Gotham, but says the idea of a paramilitary team is very dangerous. In Arkham Asylum, Stephanie Brown visits Anarchy. In disguise, Lonnie preaches his ideology of overthrowing the structures of society, including Batman, and Steph wavers as she leaves. Basil Carlo, visiting Mudface, sees her and calls out. She brushes him off so she doesn't hear the news he tries to tell her about Tim's return. In her secret base later, Steph talks to herself, struggling with Lonnie's arguments and her own inconsistency. Suddenly, she hears a knock and goes to the door. We see her face go through shock, disbelief, then amazed as joy as the person at the door goes through a speech, and then she jumps him, revealing that it's Tim, back from the dead. Steph kisses Tim. Three weeks later, Killer Moth gathers henchmen, representatives from several villains in a warehouse, proposing the villains form a team to counter the Gotham Knights, stunning efficiency in, in subduing crime. Kate Kane um, and Tim sit above watching as Moth reveals his muscle, which includes Solomon Grundy, Ratcatcher, Zaz, and Firefly. Kate tells Tim that he needs to tell Steph he isn't planning on quitting the team and going to college anymore, but he deflects not wanting to stop the honeymoon of him being back with Steph and Steph being back with the team. As Killer Moth finishes up his sales pitch, Grundy reveals that he's really Clayface and the team attacks in full force. Batman pays the mayor a visit, wishing him congratulations. Atkins says that the team's crushing of crime is helpful, but he's scared of the militarization of the team and the use of teenagers and, of course, the use of Clayface. He then asks Batman where this will all end. Meanwhile, in Arkham, Lonnie and the first victim assemble their team, along with the guards that they've brought to their side as well. The first victim claims that the knights will be betrayed by one of their own, and Gotham will fall. So the first thing I want to talk about is, well, kind of this thing at the end about first victims saying that the knights will be betrayed by one of their own. If you believe the solicitations that have come out, and I know, Stella, you don't read the solicitations, but if you believe the solicitations for Detective Comics, Batwoman is going to potentially betray the team, is also 
we were led to believe that could potentially happen based off of the future Tim coming and saying that Batwoman betrays the team as well. So we're led to believe that it's Batwoman. But the question is, do you believe it's going to be Batwoman or is that just a giant red herring to cover up who is really going to betray the team? This is difficult. I don't believe that Batwoman is, is in her own mind, is going to betray the team. But I believe as far as the story that she is going to betray the team. Well, not because of what these crackpots and and Arkham Asylum say. I mean, if you listen to stuff, they say you never believe anything. But future Tim comes back from the future and wants to shoot her in the face. Like, I mean, unless you're going to throw that whole storyline away and say that's a Tim from, a you know, another Earth or not connected, Earth 17.3 or whatever. Future Tim wants to kill Kate. Think about that. He doesn't want to... I know we didn't really deal with that during when the story was going on, but... He doesn't dislike Kate. He doesn't think that him and Kate have problems. He wants to kill her. So what would make Tim Drake turn into that hardened, terrible person where he trusts nobody? I don't think it could be a faint. I don't think it could be a kind of betrayal. And I'm sure that, you know, Batwoman won't think she's betraying the team. But for this narrative to keep moving forward without just going through another story or a massive reset button being hit... I think Kate has to, for the sake of the narrative, do this. I hope it's not. I mean, I think we're, it's so deliberate and out there that one has to think it must be. But I just wonder if there's some sort of betrayal that leads to Kate. I mean, I've been watching House of Cards, and I feel like you could easily, you know, you could potentially do something where it's, it leads to Kate, but it's actually not Kate. I agree. I think that. Kate is going to be, if anything, the fall person. She will be the person where everyone believes that she's the one who's guilty, but it's actually somebody else. That just will always be the belief. Kate will probably, you know, reaffirm her innocence over and over again, and no one will believe her because however it's set up, it'll be set up in a way where everyone believes it was her who actually betrayed the team. And that's why the futuristic Tim, you know, does what he does what he does when he says he wants to kill Kate. So I'm guessing that's what actually happens. And the change between the current timeline and the potential futuristic timeline with the murderous future Tim is that it's revealed who the actual traitor is. Now, my guess is that it's probably somebody who's not super important to the main team. So my bet is either I'm going to say Azrael, but it could. God, please let that be true. And I'm not just saying I'm not just saying it because I don't like the character. I'm just saying like it makes sense because he's on the team, but he has other than that one intelligence storyline, he hasn't really had a whole lot of other moments to even shine. He's just around. So that's my thing. The other possibility is that and I don't think it's Luke Fox, I'll just put that out, even though he hasn't had hardly any focus whatsoever in the series since he came onto the team. I don't think it's him just because he's too closely, because he's the son of Lucius Fox, I don't think they would go the route of having that person who has been linked to Batman so for so long betray the team. I just don't see that happening. So the only other possibility is Clayface. Um, and it actually... Too obvious though, right? It is too obvious and it's right on the nose, but it's one of those things where it's like, but maybe that's the whole point is that, you know, we keep seeing these these things happening between 
him and Mudface where she's like, you're always going to be bad. You're never going to be good. No matter how hard you try, you're always going to be bad. And it's it would easy, be very easy for it to be Clayface because he could make it look like Kate and there would be no question about it because as long as he keeps portraying that he is good, there won't be any questions. That being said, the other question I want to talk about is the immediate, I guess, dismissal of Steph's like, you know, the dismissal of the fact that she is against the team. As soon as Tim arrives back, she suddenly embraces the team and, and joins right back up with the team. And I feel like they kind of skipped over a good chunk of something that they should have focused on because she was so opposed to the team. And then suddenly Tim's back and he's not dead. And now she's just goes right back to being on the team. I feel like they skipped over something, you know, her at least discussing with Tim to say, you know, why she left the team, you know, her concerns, things like that. I also don't feel like, just to go back to the previous question, I don't think that Steph is it, although she's also being led to potentially be the one who could be the fall person, or not fall person, but the person who could betray the team too because of her links with anarchy and things like that. But I just feel like that is, that, that's being presented too heavy-handed over the last couple months to go that route either. So the next question I have is, do you feel like Steph join, rejoining the team and not and, and then deciding to just go the route of she's just on the team now that Tim's back was a little bit too quick? Or do you feel like there's the potential of exploring that later on down the road? I'm sure we'll explore it down the road. But yeah, it was, it was super quick. I mean, she's just back because Tim's back. Unless there's a real reason for her to be here in this kind of little action scene at the end with everyone's favorite killer moth. You know, you could have at least dragged this out for, at least ha have her have a, a big conversation. You know, like the scene where they're all in the room and she's like, oh, blah, 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 Tim's back, so I want to be a part of it. And I'm sorry that I, you know, like kind of turned traitor on you, all you guys, when he died. Uh, you know, I mean, I think there's some things that have to kind of be dealt with. And I'm assuming we're going to deal with them. But it does seem very fast to have her back in action. We either should have had the team... I think two things would have been better than what we're presented with here. Either the team going on this mission and talking to each other about, Tim, what do we do with Steph now that you're back? And having the whole team talk about what they want to do with Steph without Steph there. Or having a one-on-one -on -one or one-on-two mission, I guess, where Tim and Steph were out doing a mission together and they were talking about, do she, does she want to be back with the group? And then we could have the big group scene the next issue. It does feel like it was a bit running downhill here. Well, and it seems pretty terrible because it's like she's being lied to constantly. I mean, I talked about this prior that she's being treated very poorly right now. She was no one even told her that Tim was back in like the heat of the moment. It's not Clayface's fault. I assume that was Clayface. That was really weird in the I don't know why he was in um, Arkham Asylum for whatever reason. Um, I guess, well, actually, no, it does make sense because he was getting the inside scoop so he could be on the the group thing. Yeah, so it does make sense, but it's just weird. Uh, he couldn't even tell him, and now she's under the presumption that this is all temporary and Tim's going to leave with her, and Tim's, like, basically lying to her. And uh, I'm glad that Kate calls him out being the crappy person in the relationship, which is funny because she says, as being the one who's usually the crappy person in the relationship, you're the crappy person. Which, you know, Kate does have some um, relationship issues. But yeah, I I, I don't think it's good. I, I think it was too quick, but it makes sense because she's so overjoyed that she probably wants to spend as much time with him 
as she can and then she knows it's just temporary so they're going to leave but at the same time it doesn't make sense as much because she's been fighting them for you know a good long while so now all of a sudden because Tim's back she's going to give up everything that she was believing in but I guess that speaks to how strongly her feelings are so it's it's very mixed up and, and crazy and fast but I think it goes to show you what the emotions are like anyways for Steph and well for Steph especially but other people involved yeah I definitely agree I mean the the biggest concern is that he basically they're you know they're together he's he's alive that's all great um and then he basically you know like you said she basically says we're gonna leave and we're gonna go to college and we can leave the team and he basically just says, yeah, well, I got sure, to I, I gotta, I first do this. I got to finish what I started. But just so you know, finishing what I started might never never actually finish ever. It's a 40-year um, process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> but but then like the, the other interesting thing was it felt too quick to me because of the line that he actually says. He says, look, I've spoken to everyone. They understand what you were going through. They want you back, too. We're good. The, yeah, they're yes. just going to ignore everything that just happened for the last year and a half or however long this is happening in the course of the, the book. But, like, they're going to ignore everything since you left the team. They're going to ignore the fact that, you know, that you, you know, you thwarted different things that the team were involved in. You you were involved with anarchy to a degree. They're just going to ignore all of that stuff because you went through something horrible because I was dead. But, hey, I'm alive now, so everybody knows that you'll be back to being completely okay with the mission statement that we all have. Um, and then but the, the, the other problem with it is so that so she, he says all this stuff to her and then they immediately say three weeks later. So you're just supposed to assume that any kinks could have gotten worked out in the three weeks. And that's what bugs me is like, that feels like the story of her explaining what happened to him and him explaining what happened to himself could you know that could be by itself a, a single issue in my opinion and the fact that it was basically just a couple of pages slightly annoying to me because they've been building the fact that she has been on the outs with the team for such a long period of time that to have her come back on the team so quickly just over these few panels is, is slightly annoying to me that's the one thing that i guess i was really bugged by so the the last thing I want to talk about is I, I always love it when books feature a variety of villains and villains that are, you know, pretty much no names and things like that or D-list characters and things like that. So I thought it was pretty cool how Killer Moth, of all people, is actually trying to put together a uh, team using henchmen from the other ones. You've got R Riddler's henchwomen, per se, You've got Ace it's kind of interesting just the group that he came up with but then the the people who are actually part of his muscle include Firefly Zaz, Ratcatcher and Solomon Grundy. The only concern I have with the characters that they picked was they picked Ratcatcher who's currently appearing over in Mother Panic. Yes, thank you. Which I didn't understand like of all the villains you could pick why yeah. would you pick or use a character that is currently appearing as just a guy who has nothing to do with crime anymore. And out of the game too. Yeah. yeah we don't need rat catcher double build. Yeah. Yeah, I, I yeah, well there's that. There's that aspect of it too, but outside of the double build, you're you're portraying them two different ways. And I can't I hate when they do that. You could have just easily I mean he, he literally appears in that team shot, and I think there's one other small scene that he appear or like one shot that he appears in. You could have just swapped it out with somebody else. I mean, I don't understand. Like that's that's an editor concern that I don't and, and it's 
miscommunication, or I guess the editor is not reading what's happening in other books that is happening within Gotham City. But that was my one quorum. But I love the fact that there's this group of like, you know, B list, C list, D list villains that are teaming up along with like basically like completely forgotten villains. So I thought that was kind of cool. All right. So, Detective Comics, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five. I'm going to go a little lower here, two and a half. I really thought this was one of the first genuine missteps since he's taken over uh, Detective. I'm going to split the difference and say three. All right. So, over on the website, Ian gave it four. So, that's going to give Detective Comics a total of three out of five better ranks. Let's move into Greater Gotham. First up, on November 15th, we have Main TBU Books, where we talked about Batman number 35, Nightwing number 33, Nightwing teams with Blockbuster to fight off a casino full of Blockbusterized monsters as Raptor puts his master plan into motion. This would be by Paul. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Abstain. Neutral. Batwoman number nine, Batwoman and Colony Prime, while drugged by the Scarecrow, try to escape his facility and their hallucinations. This is true by Tony. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, thumbs up. Neutral. Secondary TBU books, The Batman Who Laughs number one. Batman breaks his one rule, and then he breaks all the rules. This is true by Corbin. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. All right, main DC Universe books, Super Sons number 10, Robin and Superboy get a new headquarters, and the Batman of Tomorrow is revealed, who, if you were wondering, is not the Tim Drake version. It's actually going to be Damien's Batman from previous Grant Morrison run, Uh, 666. So that was reviewed by Jessica. She gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Stay. Thumbs up. Justice League number 33, Cyborg faces titanic threats both inside and inside. And out as the Bats Out of Hell tie-in crossover concludes. This is you by Ian. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Thumbs down. It's dreadful. Oh, dear. Abstain. Trinity number 15. Batman leads the team effort to foil Cersei's desperate plan to save the day. This is you by Adele. He gave it one and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. Mm, Neutral. Secondary DC Universe books, Bombshells United number 6, which includes digital chapters 11 through 12. The bombshell versions of Batwoman, Black Canary, Killer Croc, Harley Quinn, Poison Ivy, Black Bat, Batgirl, and Frankie Charles all appear in the issue. Injustice 2 number 14, which includes digital chapters number 27 through 28. The Injustice versions of Batman, Catwoman, Alfred, Batgirl, Black Canary, Harley Quinn, Lucius Fox, and Lucy Quinzel all appear in the issue. Next up, on November 22nd, main TBU books were we talked about Detective Comics. Batgirl number 17, the end of the Summer of Lies story arc, features Batgirl and Nightwing confronting the Red Queen while more of Ainsley's Wells story is revealed. So by Adele, he gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Neutral. Neutral with a trend towards down. Batman Beyond number 14, after returning from their adventures outside of the country, Terry adjusts to life back in Neo-Gotham. His triumphant return as both Terry and Batman comes to a halt when the Royal Flush Gang seemingly breaks his back. This is by Bill. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Abstain. 
Harley Quinn number 32, a somber issue of Harley Quinn dealing with Harley's revenge after what the mayor and Madison have done to her boyfriend, Mason. This was reviewed by David. He gave it four and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Uh, abstain. Abstain. Secondary TBU Books, Nightwing, The New Order, number four. Nightwing finds surprising allies from his past as he tries to free his son from the New Order, his own New Order. Ian reviewed this and gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. Thumbs up. Main DC Universe Books, Teen Titans, number 14. The arc ends with the return of Kid Flash as Robin learns to accept help, and the team bands together to save the city from Onomatopoeia and the catastrophic tidal wave. This is by Bill. He gave it three and a half out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. Justice League of America, number 19. After Prometheus and Afterthought catch the team off guard in their own headquarters, the team must come together to turn the fight in their own direction. This was reviewed by Matthew. He gave it two out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs down. Uh, this title is becoming a afterthought. Thumbs down. <laughs> I'm upstand. Suicide Squad number 30. The Suicide Squad faces off on the moon with the red wave monster. This was by Paul. He gave it three out of five. I'm going to give this one a neutral. Neutral. Upstand. Doomsday Clock number one. The world is on the brink of nuclear war, and its only hope is to bring back God. Their God Dr. Manhattan. So by Jessica, she gave it five out of five. I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. Thumbs up. OMG. Thumbs down. This, like, nothing happened. And it was really, give me a break. It was a bunch of nothing. We Now we've got another Dark Knight Metal on our hands with all of this stuff oh, that was wow. going on. Wow. Okay. okay. And I'm not alone either. Don and Josh, we all read it together. So it's not just me. I guess if you're looking for a con- like some sort of continuity with what's going on in the DC universe, yes, there is nothing there, but there's a ton of setup for what happened after Watchmen. We got a new Rorschach. Ozymandias has has some kind of tumors. Oh, it's so good! It's so good. All right, secondary DC Universe books. Action Comics number 992, Batman appears in the issue. Gotham City Garage number 4, which includes digital chapters 7 through 8. The Gotham City Garage versions of Catwoman and Nightwing appear in the issue. And Wonder Woman number 35, Batman makes a brief cameo in the issue. Next up, we have November 29th, main TBU books. We already talked about the Batman annual. Secondary TBU books, Batman Creature of the Night number 1. The story of Bruce Wainwright is told, who is a boy who is obsessed with Batman and his own parents are shot. This is written by Jessica. She gave it five out of five. I'm gonna give this one a thumbs up. Neutral. I just I get why you would you could love it. It just didn't do anything for me. Abstain. Main DC Universe book, Super Sons Annual Number One. The Super Pets reunite to investigate the mysterious disappearance of dogs in Gotham. This is by Jessica. She gave it three and a half out of five. And I have to say, uh, I'm giving it a thumbs up, but it's not just so anybody who's read it knows, it's not just because Detective Chimp appears in the issue. Thumbs up. It involves Super Pets. Enough said. Yes. Yes. It was all. It was darling. I yeah. I give this thumbs up for sure. Justice League of America Annual Number One. The reason behind Batman getting Lobo to join the team is revealed. Matthew reviewed this and he gave it zero point five out of five. (laughs) And I'm gonna give this a thumbs down. (laughs) It's bad. I haven't read a comic this bad since the Anna Senti Catwoman run. This is dreadful. Thumbs down. And it, just just so you know, we're, when we... It's bad. It, it, I'll just... Uh, there's just two words for you to know how potentially weird and 
obscene, uh, uh, insane this could be, which is Space Dolphins. That's it. It's just weird. Secondary DC Universe books. Aquaman Annual Number 1, a future version of Batman, appears in the issue. Green Arrow Annual Number 1, Black Canary and Nightwing appear in the issue. Injustice 2 Annual Number 1, the Injustice versions of Harley Quinn, Magpie, Polka Dot Man, Killer Moth, Clock King, and Deadshot all appear in the issue. And then finally, New Talent Showcase 2017 Number 1, and a variety of short stories, Signal, Red Hood, Mr. Freeze, Scarecrow, Two-Face, Bane, Riddler, Poison Ivy, Harley Quinn, Joker, Catwoman, King Snake, Deadshot, Killer Croc, Nightwing, Batman, Robin, Batwoman, Batgirl, and Red Robin all appear in the issue. So there's a that, trust me when I say that if you hadn't read it, I mean it's it's definitely Jam-packed. a little bit more pricey. But there's a lot of TBU characters and TBU stories that are focused on in that. T- take a look if you haven't taken a look. All right, so then TBU trades and hardcovers that have released over the past couple weeks. We have Batman: The Golden Age Omnibus Volume Four hardcover, Batwoman Volume One: The Many Arms of Death trade paperback, Justice League of America: The Rebirth Deluxe Edition Book One hardcover. Batman the Shadow, the Murderer Geniuses hardcover, Batman Year 2, 30th Anniversary Deluxe Edition hardcover, Dark Days, The Forge, The Casting, Director's Cut Number 1, and Gotham Academy, Second Semester Volume 2, The Ballad of Olive Silverlock Trade Paperback. So that is everything that's released over the past couple weeks. Be sure to check out the detailed reviews of all of those books that we gave a rating to ourselves. As uh, every single week, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, there's always new reviews that are posting over on the site. So be sure to check those out. And be sure to leave comments on those reviews or give your rating for those reviews as well. Outside of that, if you're looking for some original content from the site, over the past couple weeks, we had two new editorials posting up related to the comics. Part four of Tim Drake's Spotlight series has posted and there's uh, at least two there's two more parts planned part five and part six will be coming soon so be sure to look for that also there was an editorial written by zane talking about what were the best dc rebirth series since the beginning and surprisingly he did not put batman or detective as the top one so if you want to find out which one he decided was the top series be sure to check out that editorial over on the site we are actually going to jump into our listener Q and A's. Boy, did you get a wrong number? Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please don't. We have a lot of listener Q and A's. Not a ton more than normal, but they're very, very very lengthy comments. So just as a forewarning before we dive into these, because of the length of some of these, we're going to be taking certain bits and pieces from some of these comments. Brett, who has sent messages in the past, he has he actually has two different uh, comments on here, both with about five or six topics per post. And unfortunately, we're not going to be able to touch every single one of those. So if you have some thoughts on his, if you'd like to see what his thoughts are on some of these, be sure to check out the comments section and you can give your own reply. But we're going to talk about a couple of these. So the first one we've got is does come from Brett. What's up, TBU crew? Hope you had a pleasurable two weeks or so. Thanks again for reading my thesis paper last episode. I do appreciate it. So thanks again for humoring me more than Chewbacca's mom did about two years ago now. 
Anyway, I promise this will not be long-winded unless you want it to be. Uh, stated with a Dr. Evil finger by your mouth. I'm also terrible at keeping promises, so again, I apologize. Read what you want. Shame me if you must. It's all for poops and giggles! That was for Stella. So, I love the questions you all say to one another after each issue. They are thought-provoking and can sometimes be very humorous. So, I thought I would contribute with some questions to be answered of my own. These questions may contain spoilers to any reader or listener that may be paying attention. That'd be, that'd be sad. Titans, because Nightwing's in it. Spoilers. So, the build-up since Titans Hunt is that Donna Troy is the big bad from the future. Really? I feel like I've seen this one before, and she's upset because everyone dies? Really? Maybe it's because I feel like we've seen some other future peeps coming back to the past lately, circa Bat Drake as one of them. But what is going on in Titans? If Nightwing was not in it, would you read it? And if you haven't already, please share your thoughts on Titans. Okay, so quickly with Titans, um, I do read it because it is one of the books that the site covers. I will say that currently the storyline is, it's written well and it's interesting. I feel like some of the stuff before this current story arc was a little bit more interesting in my opinion, but I feel like the current storyline, they were going in a direction where Nightwing was a hive agent. That's what the direction they were going in, going into, I think, September. And now it's been revealed that the actual big bad is actually Donna Troy from the future, and that's why there's has been a mole amongst the group the entire time, but it's because the mole is from the future and knows how everything turns out. It definitely does feel like there's a lot of future versions of characters and future timelines, and I think that's on purpose. It goes back to my earlier comments about the timelines and things like that. There's a lot of focus on these timelines, and I have a feeling at some point in the very near, not-so-distant future, the Batman Beyond book is going to somehow get tied into the timeline even more so than it has in the past with something happening that brings that into into play too but that being said i don't have any like distinct very specific comments about donna troy i from the future i mean it, it's not obviously it's going to play out in a way where it's you know it it, it it happened just like we had the future tim in detective comics it plays out and it's done you get these hints of what could be and what might be and who could die and who might not die and things like that but like outside of that i don't i don't necessarily have the greatest affection for these types of stories because it just feels like we're never going to get to that future point in most cases i mean there has been a few exceptions in the new 52 we had the future's end stuff which did take place in the future so you at least got to see some of what could happen but at the same time they didn't go anywhere with it it's not like they're actually going to just jettison everything into the future so i don't look at these stories and think to myself they're anything other than just a setup for something currently happening in the main series would i read titans without dick in it yeah i would one i like donna troy she's like one of my favorite side tertiary characters i guess you could say I'm not worried about her being the big bad. That's just life. Plus, Donna's been not the best person over the course of the history of the Wonder Woman character, if you read a lot of that. Other than that, the reason I think that Titans is kind of like a Justice League book right now is that something that Dustin just kind of alluded to. There's a lot of major stuff due to Rebirth that has happened in Titans, especially with Wally, and I think will continue to happen there. So, yeah, I think Titans is a top-of-the-shelf, top-of-the-stack DC book every month. I enjoy it. I, I've been having fun with it. And I think I, I would even recommend it to 
a hardcore Titans fan like Tom Panarese, I think I think that he would enjoy it because it's got some of the sort of the vintage flavor to it. I think if if Nightwing were missed, I would still read it, but I think obviously the chemistry of the the team would change i think it'd be slightly different but it's just great to have uh some classic characters back together so i certainly recommend titans all right so then the next topic we're going to discuss is what he calls little, little red, riding. red riding hood yeah yes spoilers people spoilers or as uh josh's uh little ward says spoiler spoiler uh, do you guys like Smart Bizarro, and do you want him to stay? Why would the Gotham Knights capture Jason Todd and take him to Bell Rev or Bell Reef? That part makes no sense to me. Could you explain? Why wouldn't Jason, or as you know, some people like to call him Jay, just talk to them and tell them what's going on? All right. So there's a couple things here. So do I want Smart Bizarro to stay around? I I think the idea of Smart Bizarro works for a short period of time. I feel like it is getting to the the point where it needs to go away quickly. Um, I think it worked for maybe a couple issues, but honestly, it's one of those things where, like, see him, you know, if you've been reading Red Hood, you, you know that he basically has used this advanced intelligence that he has to basically stop crime and figure out ways of reducing crime in Gotham. And he's got this, basically, this spaceship that's hovering, not spaceship, but this headquarters ship thing that's hovering over Gotham and he's they're eliminating the the outlaws are eliminating crime because of his capabilities with his intelligence. It's a cool theory, but honestly at the end of the issue where you the whole they come to the head with the Gotham Knights, I feel as if that needs to be wrapping up. I I, I the smart bizarro thing cannot last forever. It needs to go back to the way it was, it was meant to only be temporary, obviously, from the beginning, because they're already, they've been hinting at it for a while that he's going, that, you know, he's starting to to lose the intelligence level that he's currently at. So it will get there. I just, I, I kind of wanted to get there a little bit quicker. As far as the Gothamites capturing Jason Todd and taking them to Belle Reve, obviously, there's a miscommunication between some of the stuff that's happening in some of these books. The biggest thing is, yes, the way it's been portrayed in Red Hood is that Batman told Jason that he can do what he does. He just doesn't want him killing people. Um, so Jason is basically Batman's like undercover agent, per se. That being said, nobody else on the team knows anything about that. That's the way it's been portrayed. The problem with that is that Jason still appears in the pages of Batman. And it's not as if when he shows up, everyone's like, hands up, we're going to take you in because, <laughs> because you're a criminal. Like So it doesn't work that way. So... The the only explanation there is that the Gotham Knights team also doesn't have a whole lot to do with what's going on over in Batman. So maybe all the characters who are over in Batman who have the knowledge that Jason Todd's not a criminal hasn't none of them have communicated over to the Gotham Knights and Detective that Jason Todd's not a criminal. So that way he can come and go to Wayne Manor as he pleases, but I guess he can't come and go in Gotham City without the without being coming in contact with the knights that being said it just comes down to one of those weird things that i feel is a, a mishap because of the editorial team if you've been looking at and i know i'm probably one of the few people out there who pay attention to this stuff because i'm such a weirdo when it comes to continuity and, and small errors and things like that what when you look at the books there are so many different editors on the books that i would classify as tbu books red hood and the outlaws i don't even think dc considers a 
a specific Batman book. I think it's actually part of like the the group that does like Titans and Teen Titans, which they also don't classify, which I believe is still part of like the Justice League and Justice League of America books. It's not considered a bat book per se but even the bat books in general there are two different editors on detective and batman which there's a clear reason why we keep seeing concerns there so i mean it's one of those things where if there was more of a communication between the editorial teams or as it had been in the past might and i and i bring this up a lot because i feel like this was like the the most perfect time where there wasn't a ton of issues with continuity amongst the books was back when mike martz was the group editor in the bat books this was back you know when grant morrison was on the title and even even some time before that but batman and battle for the cowl and all those they all worked hand in hand and it worked perfectly and and it's not to say that it didn't happen at other times chuck dixon was the editor at one point and and denny o'neill was the editor at one point and there was less issues and it just feels like there's not a group editor for a while mark doyle was meant to be the new back group editor when they moved out to burbank a couple years back but he's now moved back to vertigo stuff and i think he's dealing with a lot of the young animal things but he's not the bat book editor anymore, and now it's kind of like there's too many roosters in the hen house. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I'm with you. The smart, bizarre thing's cute, but who cares? And my only thought would be the team is kind of in on some kind of we're taking Jason to Bell Reef for a reason plot device. But yeah, I agree. So the other topics that uh, that were brought up by Brett, which we're not going to touch at this point just because of time concerns he talks a lot about action comics and dan jurgens he also mentioned some stuff having to do with mr miracle and star wars i don't want to personally touch a lot of that stuff right now just because there's a lot of other stuff to talk about so we're going to jump into our next comment which comes from ian i'm with dustin no shipping for bruce and diana i'm very curious about the telltale game comics the injustice comics are a weird juggernaut i don't know who's reading them or talking about them but they are still being published gage said on twitter that telltale is unlikely to get the same kind of thing since the telltale games are so tightly story based but i'm hoping it does a good job with this elseworlds take with a tighter focus on fewer villains and more bat family type interactions I didn't enjoy Batman 34 very much at all because the Batman and Catwoman scene was bickering, not bantering, and I really dislike the former and prefer the latter. Regarding the Selina Talia fight, I think the whole X is best fighter, therefore they will always win, and if they beat Fighter Y, then they can beat anyone who Fighter Y has beaten. <laughs> Line of analysis is misguided. Not only is that not how fighting works, it is not how good storytelling works. Fighting isn't a math problem, and so I'd rather have a story than a fantasy fighter's league i have a few hard feelings about using the name tomorrow tim in my review because tanyan says he just calls him bat tim which is so much easier to type but i do appreciate stella noticing my alliteration aha i agree that lonely place of living felt incomplete slash a bit unsatisfying yes bat tim was defeated but we didn't see very much rick reconnecting between tim and the gotham knights and steph was completely absent thank you even though she was on the cover betrayal i think we're going to get a few flash forwards and follow the batman to resolve the story we saw on the batwoman issue i will say i'm firmly in tanya's corner he's my favorite bat writer the past six years but i'm very worried that all the setup he's doing will not have satisfying payoff even if he gets his plan 30 more issues to reach number 1000 which i very much hope he does 
All right, let's touch some of these. So in regards to your comment about Batman 34 and X is the best fighter and they beat Y, I will say this. My mind works with math. That's that's the way my mind works. It doesn't work with... Good. That That's just how I look at everything. I look at it as math problems. So that's exactly the way I would look at it, and that's why I said I don't like the idea of Catwoman beating Talia because that says that Catwoman could beat anybody. And that's logically how my mind associates things is just by that connection. That being said, I definitely agree that going about telling a good story, there you, you shouldn't be focused on, you know, well, this person is the best fighter. We've said this before. They are the best fighter in the DC universe, so that therefore they can never be beat. Like, that, is, that does make for horrible storytelling. But at the same time, when you sit there and you you imply certain things when you say that someone beats somebody who you would assume would be better than them by saying that Catwoman beats Talia, that means that Catwoman is in in my regards she's more skilled than than Talia. It might not be straight skill. It might be that you know like she's scrappy, like like Tom King went to explain on Twitter. But it's one of those things where it's like you know someone who's been around for potentially uh, you know hundreds of years and has learned all kinds of different forms of hand-to-hand combat and swordsmanship when have we ever even seen catwoman ever use a sword other than you know rarely here or there it's not like that's one of her many things that she's always using she's using a whip most of the time if anything so it's one of those things where that's my concern with it but like i said the the explanation made sense. I just wish that aspect was explained in the comic because I feel like this keeps happening where stuff is explained via Twitter after an issue releases and people are, you know, in an uproar about it. And then Tom King goes on Twitter to explain his, his thought basis behind these things. And most of the time his thought basis actually makes sense and it works. The problem is you should be telling that in the, in the comic itself. I shouldn't have to read about it on Twitter. That's, that's my biggest concern. Back to your comments about detective. Definitely agree. Tynion is very good. I would put him well ahead of Scott Snyder, in my opinion, not that he's a better writer, but he's telling better stories in my opinion. So there's no question about that. I like what Tom King's doing, but I'm enjoying detective comics overall better. But I do agree that the ending of Lonely Place of Living did feel a little flat. So Yeah, I mean, to me, it felt like the story wasn't even done. You know, like, it just felt like, well, we'll get back to this later. Because what it ultimately is, is, is it's just part one of three, probably. It's like the act one of the next couple issues, you know, the next couple story arcs. That's the issue. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It, it didn't feel like a complete coherent story. Like, if you had picked it up in trade and just read that with no going back to it next two weeks later, do you know what I'm saying? You'd be like, what uh, What happened here? So, yeah, I agree. I just think it needs to be, be finished. And, and I do think you're right about fighting doesn't work like math. So, but for Dustin, it does. So, we just have to accept, accept the things in life we can't change. All right, but then continuing on. Congrats to Jessica for retweet by Snyder. She's closer to him than Ed <laughs> Oh, that was me. That wasn't Ian. That was me. Um, hi, are you okay over there? And I heard your feelings. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm oh okay. My. I'm all right. I'm good. Okay. High five back, Stella, for enjoying Super Heavy. Yay. Interesting point about long-term fans versus new fans. I didn't get that feeling with Black Mirror, so maybe it's a New 52 problem. 
Though even now, after six years of continuity, I don't like Batman's voice in All-Star Batman or Metal. I do agree with Ed that the line-wide status quo is a real weakness of the current Batman title. The problem is twofold. We're still stuck in the place where the answer to the engagement was kept a secret in solicitations, so I think the line-wide stuff should be hitting in December, January, and February. The other fold of the problem is Metal. It's sucking all the energy out of the line status quo tie-ins or crossovers that otherwise might support what King's doing. The Bensons are doing their best in Birds of Prey to support him, but everyone else, Teen Titans, Nightwing, etc., has been sucked into metal or are doing their own thing. Cough, back row, cough! We'll have to see what Detective does now that Tim is back, since I think Tim deserves to have a reaction to Bruce's choice. I do think that double shipping is making Tom King's stuff for Batman weaker. His strength is these very carefully planned 12-issue miniseries. When you're doing twice a month, it really decreases your ability to think through all the stuff that makes Tom King's work so distinctive in Vision, Omega Men, and Mr. Miracle. Oh man, you know I have to protest Willingham on a Tim book. I know Willingham didn't really want to kill Steph off in War Games, but I don't think his original run on Robin was very good, even divorced from War Games. Dustin immediately redeems himself with his Brian Q. Miller suggestion. Though Scott Lobdell, no. Lobdell is the biggest reason people hated Tim in the New 52 with his treatment in the Teen Titans. Brian Q. Miller, I think, won't happen because he's deep into TV right now. Yeah, yeah, writing on Shadowhunters. Oh dear, looks like the next week's comments are going to be really heavy. Yes, welcome welcome to our world. All right, so so real quick, I definitely agree with the problem that the line-wide status quo is a concern. I really do hope that it does start taking place in some of these other books although there should be zero that let me repeat that zero reasoning as to why the solicitations you know making it seem like the engagement wasn't going to happen would have any effect on what tom king is actually discussing with the other writers as part of this you know as part of the the bat books or the batman universe group of books like there's no reason that there's that he can't discuss that stuff i mean previously in the new 52 we had heard snyder go on and on about how the writers from the batman books would get together and talk about stuff and plan things out and you know the one thing is there was a lot of disconnect with the stuff in the new 52 there are certain books that didn't feel like they were connected at all to the stuff the other stuff that was going on but the one thing that is that, that always happened was there was always the, the horrible crossovers that happened where a lot of them were involved and i'm not saying that all of the these books have to have a crossover with batman or all the secondary books like nightwing and batgirl and Bat birds of prey they all have to tie into detective comics for a crossover i'm not saying that but there's at least some sort of like connect between them it wouldn't always be the best but there was always some sort of connection and that's that's the thing so like it just feels like there's two separate things going on. There's what's going on in Detective and there's what's going on in Batman. And it's not that either one of them are bad. I'm enjoying both of them to a degree. But it's the matter of why are they not happening in the same world? Like, why don't either one of them recognize what's going on in the other one? That's the thing that always bugs me is, like, we have Batman getting together with Dick and Jason and Duke Thomas and Damien. We see them appearing in the pages of Batman, but at the same time, that issue where we see that the boys finding out about the engagement from Alfred, that took place right after Tim was back in this main world. So why wasn't Tim there? It doesn't make any sense as to why these weird small things keep happening. There should be a reason why 
you should have all of the characters appear. You can't just pick and choose who you want to appear. Why is Duke Thomas there at all other than just to continue to have him involved but not have somebody like Tim Drake appear or at least not have a mention of what's going on when Tim Drake does appear in the book that he's appearing in over Detective Comics. There's definitely a disconnect there and that's the thing that I, I, I disagree with the idea that metal is sucking the energy out of everything. If anything, the idea with having those certain books like Nightwing and Teen Titans crossing over and having that Gotham resistance or being involved in that Gotham resistance tie-in was, if anything, to help boost sales for those books because that's honestly one of the main reasons why any book is ever part of a crossover is to get more sales. And it works. It just works for one month that's, or however long they're involved in the crossover. But it, it, it's just a temporary boost of numbers for the book, and that's the extent of it. Uh, we know that the boost of numbers of Nightwing did not prevent Tim Seeley from going over to Green Lantern Corps and having Sam Humphreys come over to Nightwing. So it's not like it was anything like that. If anything, it's just these are the the writers who said that they were interested in being involved in a crossover, and then they made it work with the, the characters that were going to have their own books be part of this these crossovers. But I disagree with the idea that it's sucking the energy out of everything because if you're enjoying metal, and for the most part, metal is... It's very the, the one thing is like I, I will agree that a lot of people have made comments about how there's a lot of like unnecessary violence in in the metal series and the the one shots and things like that and I definitely agree with that statement but I feel like they're doing it on purpose because it's supposed to be hardcore metal exactly man. yeah and that's the whole idea is there that's the whole idea I mean like. I definitely agree that there's it's completely unnecessary and they don't need to keep doing it and showing it and all this stuff. But at the same time, I get what why they're doing it. So I'm not going to sit here and complain about it. The other problem is that they are making a point to the only book that actually has been affected by metal other than them, the book singularly falling into a crossover is Justice League of America because it's the only book right now that has Batman not on the team because he's currently missing because of what's happening in Dark Knight's Metal. All the other books are just carrying on like nothing's happening. Like nothing happened, yeah. So like, even though you had Nightwing tie-in and even though you had Teen Titans tie-in and you had Nightwing grow a beard in the pages of the one issue for the, the Gotham Resistance crossover, he's carrying on just like he was prior to the crossover in Bloodhaven. So it's not like anything's actually changed. So it can't be that it's sucking the energy because it's not like it's ongoing and Batman disappearing is affecting all of the books. So even though Batman is not in the continuity as far as Dark Knight's Metal goes. He's still appearing in Detective Comics. He's still appearing in Batman. Nightwing's still in Nightwing. You still got Damien over in Teen Titans, even though they pull, they were pulled in for the crossover. It doesn't it doesn't feel like it's actually sucking the life because they went right back to where they were. Yeah, I think that Metal is definitely not sucking the life out of the universe. Anything it's breathing life into the universe. Um, but I agree. I mean, that's why I brought it Line-wide, it has to happen. And I think that at the end of this whole Doomsday Clock metal thing, we're going to have some more definitive timelines. So hopefully that stuff will be getting cleared up soon. All right. So our next comment is another one from Brett. And again, he had five topics that he brought up. We're going to discuss just one because one of them we already touched on. We were going to talk about Detect Comics falling flat, but we already talked about that. So let's do Brett's comment. What's up, TBU crew? I got more questions to discuss because after reading DC Comics, the discussion is the next best part. Would you not all agree? 
To think 15 years ago, the most fun and exciting thing to do would be to stay up late, drink alcohol, and party. A wife and 2.5 kids later, he has half a kid. Are you listening to this? What does that even look like? Strange. The most fun thing to do on a Friday night is to read comics and talk about them. Reminds me of the cereal aisle at a grocery store. Just walk down that dang aisle and watch all the various stages of life from Fruity Pebbles and Tricks to Bran Flakes and Crackle Note Bran. Anyway, the hardest part of comics is finding people to talk with about them. Anyway, apologize for another lengthy email. Feel free to not answer the questions and tell me to leave you alone already. Or just treat the questions like a buffet and pick what you want. Just don't forget the sesame chicken and an egg roll and maybe a fortune cookie to end with. Well, it depends on if we're at a Chinese restaurant. I loved Batman number 35, except for Catwoman somehow defeating Talia. That really doesn't make sense to me. From like age five, her dad fought and killed her over and over again, then resurrected her in the pit. Wash, rinse, repeat. So how could someone, whom we may classify as the best swords person in the world, be defeated by Catwoman? It's a stretch to me. However, here's my counter. Even the Cleveland Browns get a win a year, or every 100 years the Cubs win a World Series, or a billionaire racist can run a country. We get the idea. Maybe Catwoman was lucky or caught her off guard. Who knows? But the Nightwing and Damien interaction, as well as Catwoman's take on Bruce being stuck as a vengeful 10-year-old boy, beloving him anyway, the issue really did have its moments. I really liked it. Think about it. Talia loves the detective, the Batman, but Catwoman loves Bruce. That was really awesome and poetic to me in a way. And the end, Damien asking if Bruce is happy and Bruce says, I'm getting there. Nice. After this issue, are you leaning more or less towards them officially getting married? And if they get married, will Catwoman still be permitted to steal vast jewels and riches, even though Bruce could just buy her whatever she wants? Well, that's too easy. And would Alfred allow all the cats in the mansion? I personally think the setup is for a Nightwing Damien book with Bruce taking a leave of absence for a while. Whether it's due to what Thomas Wayne told him in The Button, making Bruce question being Batman, whether it's a honeymoon, whether he gets hurt. But I think Dick leaving Bluehaven for a bit, not sure on that, but I thought Blockbuster made a deal with him and Nightwing is going to leave. I could be wrong, though. So I just feel like we are aligning for a, or leaning towards a Nightwing-Robin run. Do you agree or disagree? Either way, would you like Batman going in that direction for a bit, or, of course, not permanently? Okay, well, I, I kind of take offense to the Cubs winning a World Series every 100 oh years because I'm a huge Cubs fan. That sucks. Um, so, well, you live there. Well, yes, I do live here. Uh, I'm just saying I, I, the Cleveland Browns, I don't know any – I don't watch football, so I can't say well, whether have, or not how often they win a game. They haven't but, won yet this um, year, so. The Cubs have – the Cubs aren't always a bad team. Let's just put it this way. Just because they haven't – they didn't win a World Series for – 100 plus years doesn't mean they're always a horrific bad team. Um, I think every team has its moments either way. So I, I have to just point that out. Um, the the idea of, you know, her potentially winning, we talked about this earlier, but I do like the like what you said about the idea that, you know, every once in a while somebody else could win. And maybe Catwoman got caught her off her guard or something like that. It could have just been what they were saying, too. I mean, it just goes back to Tom King making the comment about how Catwoman's more scrappy and that's why. But, I mean, I I disagree with the outcome of it, but I agree with the explanation behind it. Let's just leave it at that. The idea of them officially getting married, I would like to see it because, like I said before, the engagement, they could have this last a really long time, but I feel like them actually getting married changes the status quo of the characters. And that's one thing that I always look forward to is the actual status quo changing. 
keeping everything the exact same or having something horrible happen where they break up. It's not to say that, you know, if they go that route that I'm going to just decide to stop reading comics. Of course not. But it'd be one of those things where, like, I look forward to the status quo changes. I look forward to the things that are meaningful that, you know, are actually going to have an impact line-wide, you know, universe-wide because those are the moments that actually mean something. You know, I'm a sucker for... The idea, you know, death of the Su- death of Superman, which I wasn't reading comics when that came out, but knowing when I got into comics, learning about that they killed Superman, even if it was for only six months, it was kind of cool because it's one of those things where it's a big deal when you do it. Nightfall, it's a big deal. No Man's Land was a big deal. I mean, all of these stories, they had like a huge impact on the line and the group of books for the foreseeable future. And that's what I think is really interesting. So I would love to see it happening. To answer some of your other questions real quick, Catwoman stealing jewels and riches, I can honestly see her still stealing the stuff just for fun, but Bruce like taking the stuff back at the end of the night or having someone take it back for him or something like that, just because I feel like, or, or, you know, they, they go out at night and their fun is that, you know, instead of like watching, you know, instead of Netflix and chilling, they, uh, just, she goes and steals something and he goes and catches her because that's their type of, their type of relaxing slash fun. The cats in the mansion, I'm sure there will be cats, but we have seen Selena in the past sometimes only have one cat. So that's not a big deal, but the idea of a Nightwing Damien book, as much as I think that that would be a very interesting thing to do, I can't see them doing a specific book about that. The reason being is I think we're getting Nightwing and Damien interacting right now in the pages of Batman, and I think that's the extent of... And we also saw it, if you read the Gotham Resistance storyline, we saw them interacting there during Dark Knight's Metal, but I think to, that's the extent of what we're going to see. We're not going to see it any more than that at this point. I'm not saying I don't like the idea of them potentially crossing over and doing something else, working together and things like that, but I feel like as a larger story, I like I, I don't think that's gonna happen. But I do like the idea of, you know, maybe Batman taking a break and seeing other characters like filling in for him because he's taking a break because he's decided he is going to allow something like that to happen. So or happiness to actually happen for him. I think if we want to have a Nightwing and Robin run, just have Damien guest star in a six or seven issue run over Nightwing. And I don't want him to take a break. For me, the whole point of him and Selena getting married is we get to see cool Batman stories with Batman married to Catwoman. So I don't want you to ship him off to you know the Isle of Man and have Dick Grayson take over. I want to see them functioning as a married couple in the confines of Batman and Detective. I second that. All right, so our last comment comes from Jessica. Thanks, Ian. Also, oh, I guess that's it, right? Okay, also... Dustin, thank you for the support. One day I'll clone you. Oh, no. No! And replace some of my superiors with Super Dustins. Following the world wound. Following Ian's cute... You know, that's like... It's like the Bat League of Bat people that Kate's father has created. Colony. Yes, the colony. There you go. That's what it would be. Following Ian's cue with metal sucking all the energy out of the status quo tie-ins or crossovers that otherwise might support what King's doing, has anyone else realized how the event sent DC's editors to hell and back? A bunch of titles needed to fill in artists, some creators needed to take breaks, and everything is just gone and ignored and meaningless once the tie-in is over. 
Besides, most art for the Gotham Resistance looked rushed. I've seen some artists say that they had two weeks to finish everything. One of the great examples being, oh dear, Sejpan Sejic drawing Dick with a goatee and then having to erase it all before publication, but they left it in one panel of Suicide Squad. A bit of a deadline nightmare, or so it seems. I also promised Brett I would answer his questions about Rorschach here, so here I am. I actually enjoy the psychiatrist's son theory, and I think it would make sense, but I firmly hold my ground on the Renee Montoya theory simply because her debut was in 1992, the same year Doomsday Clock is taking place. Multiverse dislodged Renee, perhaps. I feel like at this moment, all we are able to achieve are wild guesses, so I'm willing to wait on it. Well, it would make sense because Renee, you know, turns into the question at one point. That's right, and the so. question is actually one of the characters... Rorschach. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I definitely agree with... I mean, we were just talking about the Gotham Resistance stuff and how it plays into, you know how it just completely comes back but it does feel like it was an editorial nightmare it does feel like if anything when they do plan on doing these crossovers they should plan on doing them not so early in the run of what scott snyder's story is doing they've done this in the past they've done crossovers but they should figure out a way where it's not happening so immediately in the beginning of the story because this is taking place like the first issue came out in august september the end of september is when some of this stuff started happening with gotham resistance it was literally just after the second issue that they started having the the first crossover they should have potentially pushed it back a little bit figured out a way to make it happen at some other point also everything that they were dealing with in gotham resistance doesn't feel like it's actually being it's actually occurring right now in the pages of metal it feels like it's taking place a little bit further along. So it's one of those things where maybe instead of saying, hey, let's do a crossover and have it happen right after the second issue, maybe they should have done it after the third issue and then had a little bit more time to prepare for it. That's my only takeaway from that. I mean, I definitely agree that some of the art did feel rushed and that there was definitely some issues here and there with some of those one-shots. But at the same point, it goes back to the editors. They might have gone to hell and back, but it was because they chose... Either that or the deal and Jim Lee, the publishers, decided that's where they wanted to take that and make it happen. So, Yes, I agree. These t- big tie-ins are always a bit of a problem. And I desperately, desperately, desperately hope that it is Renee Montoya as Rorschach. All right. So that is everything for this episode. Be sure to leave your comments for the next episode so that you can have your comments read. Keep in mind that as we get more and more comments and the longer comments, we're going to have to kind of pick and choose what we cover and we're going to try to cover as much as we can but i can guarantee you that the majority of stuff that's not tbu related or not specifically like i i would have loved to talk about doomsday clock but after the first issue there's not a lot to talk about we will talk about doomsday clock later on down the road and i'm sure we'll discuss it at more as it starts to cross over with the dc universe more specifically but for now a lot to talk about so i don't want to jump in and discuss that too much but meaning if you have questions that are talking about dark knight's metal or you know some of the the mini series that we're not specifically focusing on at length then i i would suggest holding off on those comments um for now just because we aren't probably going to be able to get to them we're already spending almost 45 minutes on listener q a's which i don't want to stop doing listener q a's by any means no it's fun we love it 
Yeah. Yeah, and it also creates some great discussion points, but at the same time, we have to keep this at a reasonable length as well. So that being said, leave your comments about all the TBU books, and we will be sure to talk about as much as we can when it comes to the TBU books on a normal basis when it comes to the next episode. Outside of that, be sure to head over to the website for news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube for all the latest news and videos from the Batman universe. You can leave us reviews on iTunes. Those are always greatly appreciated. And of course, like I said, leave your comments on the website. Also be sure to check out all the other podcasts we have to offer. As we are recording this, there's a number of new shows that are coming up in the coming weeks, so be sure to check out the site. There's at least like two or three episodes of different podcasts we offer on the site that are releasing every single week, so be sure to check those out. Also be sure to check out Bat Books for Beginners. They're plowing through one year later right now, so be sure to check that out. Recently Catwoman and Robin released and Batman and I know that Nightwing's coming up too so be sure to check out Bat Books for Beginners. Outside of that we are in the planning stages of trying to cover some of those miniseries that we have previously said hey we'll get to this but we never did so we're in the planning stages of working those out so if you have a specific miniseries that released in let's say the last five to six years that we did not cover in depth that you would like us to cover in depth be sure to suggest those in the comment section and we will be sure to appropriately accommodate you so with that that is everything for this episode this is dustin this is ed and this is harrison doula and you have been listening to the batman universe comic podcast we'll see you guys in two weeks hey.